Over the next few Sundays, we will be spending Sunday morning in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of those marvelous books that is packed with rich doctrinal teaching as well as very practical application of God's Word. And over these next four Sundays together, we will be immersing ourselves in the book of Isaiah, going a little deeper each Sunday. And when I think of the book of Isaiah, I tend to think it's a little like going into the basement or the attic. And those two places are the places where families store things of value and significance. At my home, we don't have an attic or a basement, but we have a garage. And when I go into the garage and I'm looking for something that I know is there, and I lift a box and I open it up, I occasionally come across old photograph albums. And then I look at them and I start turning the page and I'm overwhelmed with memories. Memories of individuals and places, people we knew well at seasons in our lives. And inevitably, I will get so caught up, I'll look at one and then I'll put that down and I'll dig deeper in the box and I'll pull out another. And then inevitably, I pull up a seat and I sit down and make my way through the old photographs. And then I'll hear Ruth calling and I'll say, come and see. And Ruth comes in and she starts, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And we'll reminisce about Michael when he was wee and we'll remember family and friends and then she will open another box and we'll start going through the photographs. And before we know it, we are lost in all of the memories. The book of Isaiah is a little like that. And my prayer for each of us over these next four weeks together, as we move towards Thanksgiving and then into Christmas and the end of the year, that as we come to the book of Isaiah, that will be your experience. We'll be refreshed and renewed as we open it up and we see passages of Scripture that once spoke into our lives, that impacted us, When God answered prayer and his word spoke to the situation and circumstance of our lives. Moments that have been turning points for us. Moments when God has revealed himself at a whole new level and we've discovered his leading and his guiding and his direction. That's exactly what I hope will be our experience And I'm hoping it will also teach us, as I trust we're about to see this morning, that we can rest in him. We can have peace with him. We can have deep contentment and satisfaction in him. Now, if you're here for the first time this morning or you are watching on our live stream this morning and this is the first time you've joined us, let me explain how we normally study the Bible on Sunday morning. If, for example, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, we would open up on chapter 1, and that first Sunday we would take three or four or five verses, and the second Sunday we would continue from where we left off the previous Sunday. And on the third Sunday, we would simply build Sunday by Sunday. And that way we get to see all that Scripture teaches. But with Isaiah, it's going to be a little different. 
we'll be looking at well-known passages, favourite passages, passages that speak to the moment of our lives. And remember, when you're in the attic or the basement, and you come across one thing that floods you with memories, then something else catches your eye over here, and you go over here and you open up this box, and then something else, and you hold it up and you look at it, and all those memories come flooding back. I genuinely hope that will be your experience as we begin to see various snapshots from the prophet Isaiah that strangely will speak into our lives today as we interact and engage with each one of them. Some of you, of course, grew up reading the Harry Potter stories. Others have read them to children or grandchildren. Let me do a quick survey. Choir, help me out here, please. Watch for the hands. How many read the Harry Potter books or are familiar with them? Come on, right, let me see. Yeah, just under half, I think. And if you're familiar with those books, and I have to tell you, I have all eight of them, and I have the first volume in Latin. How good is that? And... Not only have I read them all multiple times, I have them on CD so I can listen to them in the car. And the interesting illustration from one of the Harry Potter books is this, that when the children at Hogwarts School are at a point of great need, they can go to find the room of requirement. And in the room of requirement, you will always find what you're looking for. And that, in many ways, illustrates what the Scriptures do for us as Christians, does it not? We open it up. We immerse ourselves in it. We engage with God and His love and His grace. And He wonderfully speaks into our lives and provides for us all we need at the point of our greatest need. And that's my trust and hope and prayer as we come to Isaiah. And that's why the title for this series is called, Have You Tried the Basement? So with all of that in mind, let me give you a little update or by more by way of introduction to the prophet Isaiah. Now, we won't be doing this every Sunday, but whenever we begin a new series, it's always helpful to get the bigger picture. Now, the book of Isaiah belongs to what is known as the major prophets. Old Testament scholars tell us there are five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And they're called the major prophets because of the length of each book. And so there's two classifications or formal classifications of prophets in the Old Testament, major prophets and the minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets, they're much smaller in length. And so we are working our way through the book of Isaiah. And when you think of Isaiah, let me give you a little overview. It has 66 chapters, hence it's one of the major prophets. Chapters 1 to 39 constitutes the first part of the book of Isaiah. Chapter 40 and on to 66 is the second part. 
The first part is dealing with all sorts of issues with Isaiah speaking directly to people of Israel. And the second part is when Isaiah then looks into the future as to what God is doing and how he is bringing about the redemption of humanity. And the way to help remember the structure of the book, the way it's laid out, is this. It is very similar to Old Testament and New. 39 books in the Old Testament, 39 chapters in the first half of Isaiah. Second half, 27 books, 27 books in the New Testament. So that gives you an overview as to what's taking place when you come to work out Isaiah. Now there are additional themes in Isaiah it's helpful for you to know. One of them is this, and incidentally we're going to see this next Sunday morning. And I'm sure you heard Brian mention earlier that next Sunday morning is a communion service for us. We've not been able to have communion since back in January because of COVID protocols, but next Sunday, when you come in across the crossway there, there'll be three tables, pick up bread and juice, take it to your table, and it will be self-explanatory as we make our way through the service. And the 30 services back next week as well. We honestly felt there would be a number of folks wanting to come next Sunday for communion, and so we've started 8.30 as well to help control numbers attending and COVID regulations and all of that. So please be in prayer for us as we move towards handling communion next Sunday. And next Sunday we're going to see one of the major themes in Isaiah and it's called God's Suffering Servant. And several times chunks of Isaiah focus on the coming Messiah and his death for us. And here is Isaiah, almost 800 years before the birth of Christ, is talking about what is to come. And you'll see all that next Sunday. The other two themes in Isaiah, one of them is this, that Isaiah consistently portrays God in all of his transcendent majesty and power. And we're going to see that in the course of our morning. And finally, the third, certainly not the last, but one of the third major themes is this, that Isaiah is sometimes referred to as the fifth gospel because so much of it is spent focused on the Messiah to come and the bringing of redemption for humanity. So all of that is wrapped up in the book of Isaiah. Now, we also, and again, we won't do this every Sunday, but it's helpful at the outset of studying a book to look at the cultural, geographical, historical context of the book. We're not going to do that this morning, although we'll do a little of it, but not much. But Isaiah also does more than that. He doesn't settle for the historical, geographical, cultural context. What Isaiah does, because of his unique ministry, is not only does he lay out all that God is doing in his own day and age, Also in the future, but if I can use a modern illustration, he helps us to step back and see the big picture. 
It's almost like looking down from an aircraft today at 37,000 feet. You can see huge landscape before you. And that's exactly what Isaiah is doing throughout his 66 chapters. You see God at work. And from time to time, you get glimpses of how he sees his people. And so that will give you a sense of what's going on. Now, having said all of that, make two final points, then we'll come to the passage itself. The year 722 BC was a turning point for the people of Israel. Judah's sister nation, there are two kingdoms at this point in ancient history. Judah's sister, the northern kingdom of Israel, fell to the invading Assyrians. And if you imagine in your own mind, it's a little like Canada falling to the Russians. They have invaded Canada, they're coming in our direction, and we as a nation are fearful about the future. So that'll give you a sense of what's happening. And then, chapters 1 to 39, Isaiah is speaking into that situation. He's speaking to his own generation. And his primary message was related to God's faithfulness in spite of the aggression of the Assyrian invaders. And that's the theme that dominates the first 39 chapters, the faithfulness of God. But in chapter 40, the chapter we're coming to, everything changes. Isaiah's addressing a future generation. He's looking far ahead into the future. He sees the ascendancy of a new superpower, the Babylonians. And he tells his own generation that the Babylonians will invade Judah, where Isaiah is, reduce Jerusalem to rubble, and take her people into captivity. And that's exactly what has taken place by the time you get to chapter 40. But there's one additional point you need to get your head around. The Babylonians have said to the Jewish people in captivity, you can now go home. You can now go home. You are now free. And as you can imagine, there is a huge amount of excitement. They are thrilled at the possibility. And so as they begin to gather themselves together, as they begin to adjust to going back to Judah in the south, Israel in the north, they are beginning to get their heads around it. The questions start. And the questions begin, if we are going home, how will we get there? Once we are home, where will we live? What will we do for a living? What kind of house will we have? What will we do for our children's education? And then they began to back up a little and ask the bigger questions. What kind of nation will we be? What are the things that will define us? Who will determine our future direction? And as you can imagine, establishing a nation is not an easy thing. And there are questions after questions after questions after questions. They are anxious about their future. They're concerned the direction they're heading in. They are worried about what is to come. And in verse 28, Isaiah encourages them to ask more questions. And so he begins, do you not 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. And he's saying to the people of his day, amidst all of your questions, genuine, understandable, fundamental questions, amidst all of your anxiety, all of your fear, all of your what-if and wondering and concern, please understand this. Have you not heard? Do you not know that the Lord is the everlasting God. He's saying to them, please understand what's taking place. Please understand who has you in the palm of his hand. It's not that way back here, under Jacob and Joseph and on into Moses, that he once was infinite. It's not that some point in the future, he will be infinite again. He is the everlasting God. He is. Not he was. Not he will be. He is. And you can trust him for your future. You can trust him for what's to come. When you're concerned about the direction of your nation. When you have questions about his purpose and what will define us and what our core values are. You can trust him. And Isaiah is about to lay out for them an understanding and a description of the majesty and transcendent wonder and glory and power of Almighty God. He is. And he's telling them that's the first place you can go. That's the first person you can trust. He's got you. And notice what comes next. And he will not grow tired or weary and increases the power of the weak. And even young men grow tired and stumble and fall. And notice what comes. But those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. If you try to move forward in your own strength, if you try to cobble it all together, if you are determined to shape it, it will not go well. But understand this, He is the everlasting God. Creator of the ends of the earth. Do you understand it? He's pleading with them. He's saying to them, remember what happened way back in Genesis. In the beginning, God created. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and creation was made. That's the regenerative, creative power of Almighty God at work. In fact, earlier in this chapter you read, Do you not know, have you not heard, the nations are like a drop in a bucket compared to his power and his love and his grace. And you're worried about day-to-day things. Lift your eyes up. 
understand. He never runs short on resources. He never gets fed up with his children. He never looks at them and says, here they come again wanting something else. It's the very opposite. He welcomes us. He pulls us up onto his knee and he delights when we engage and pray to him. That's what he's reminding them. The Lord is bringing to pass his purpose and his will. The Lord is, as the confessions remind us, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and truth. He gives strength to the weary. Now, you may be saying, Richard, thank you. I understand, I think, most of what you've said. I think I got the context. You took forever getting there, but I think I've got it. So thank you for that. If you're watching from home this morning, you may be asking, Richard, how does these ancient words of a bygone era, how do they in any way, shape, or form, 700 years before the birth of Christ, never mind the intervening two centuries, how does this in any way apply to us this week? How can we possibly take anything from what was happening with Isaiah? Hold that question in your mind. Let me set our context in the 21st century. Most of you are aware that on a Friday morning, I send out an email to the entire congregation. And the reason is this, that I want to give folks an update on what's happening over the weekend. It's usually packed with information about big events happening at church, who is getting baptized, what time the services are, and all of that. And I try, with my somewhat strange and quirky sense of humor, put something mildly humorous at the beginning. And this past Friday, this is what I wrote. Greenville residents have been flabbergasted, if not flummoxed this week, to discover that as we move into the weekend, we have been exposed not only to Tropical Storm Zeta, but Halloween is on a Saturday We are also scheduled to have a full moon, and we are expected to turn the clocks back all on the same night. Maybe this will return 2020 back to its original factory settings. And I think most of us would agree that that's not a bad idea. It has been a tough year. No one would dispute that. We have faced and still wrestling with a global pandemic, although we've come a long way. We've been deeply concerned about our children's education, although we're beginning to make progress, concerned and worried and fearsome about fearful about the economy, of course, health issues, employment, the economy. Yes, it has been a tough year. There have been times when we have rightly been fearful. And in a couple of days, we are about to have not only a presidential election, we will have local elections and statewide elections as well. And if you are spending all day 
listening to political commentators and prognosticators, they will tell you that this election is the most important election in a generation. They will tell you that this election will determine the future of our nation. It will determine our core values. It will determine everything about who we are and where we are headed. Now, I don't know enough about politics to comment on how credible and authentic those comments are. But I certainly think there's a great deal of truth in them. And if you are moving towards Tuesday and you are at your wit's end, and you find yourself going to sleep at night, shaking your head, saying, I have no idea what's coming on Tuesday, and you are fearful, you are anxious, you are deeply concerned, please understand this and answer the question, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And he will not grow tired or weary. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He rules and rules in sovereign dominion and power. And he will bring to pass his purpose and his will over the next few days. And he will still rule in sovereign dominion on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning and Friday morning. And for all of eternity still to come. And he will not grow tired or weary. And he will not give up on his children. And he will not shake his head and dismiss us as a nation. He will be right there with us. Leading, guiding, directing, answering our prayers. Shaping our future. Do you not know? Have you not heard? He can be trusted. The Lord is the everlasting God. Everlasting. He's got you. He's got our nation. And what part do we play? Our job between now and Tuesday is to pray. To pray again. And when we've prayed a couple of times, our job is to pray once more and not to give up, not to walk away. And after we've prayed, our job is to look at each candidate, look at the issues they're standing on, look at their voting record. Psychologists will tell us that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And pray for each candidate. Pray for each party. Even the ones you can't stand and don't like and think, what a waste of time, he or she is. Pray for them. Pray for our nation. If ever we needed a united voice moving forward, it is this week. And then you can turn it over to him. He who reigns in sovereign power and majesty. 
He who will not grow weary, for he increases the power of the weak, and even young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. And if you are prone to anxiety, if you are shaking your head in wonder, concerned, fearful, you can hand them over to him. This is not the first time we have faced an election. It is not the first time we have faced a national crisis. Think back. Pearl Harbor, 9-11. He'll be right there with us, for he is the everlasting God, and we can trust him. Let's pray together. Father, as we close our service this morning, we know that amidst a sense of tiredness and fear and concern, that you are good and gracious to us. Father, reach out and touch those of us who are emotionally raw, fearful about our future, others grieving over our past. Wrap us, please, in your arms of love and grace and enable us to see you at work in our own lives, in elections, concerned about our future, our health, economy, employment, Father, hear our cries and allow us, please, to rest in you and to understand again that you rule and reign in majesty and transcendent power and we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.